0: Week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for fifteen dollars a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. It
1: is. It is.
0: Hallelujah. Well, glory. Glory, glory. I'm going to preach today, and I know I'm not going to get through it, so I've already planned a part two, but we're going to get through this as much as we, in fact, today will most likely be mostly introduction. Last week, I preached on about being a servant, and I almost continued it until I got to looking in this text, and then the Lord change directions and so we're gonna come out of uh, this chapter in Exodus how many I you know just to introduce it before we before we start reading uh, how many of you know that generally we all have probably been through some wilderness experiences some dry times but one of the things the Lord started showing me about our dry times our wilderness times those moments where we stand in need often uh, uh, often we put our wilderness experiences in one category, and our worship in another. Mm -hmm. You'll understand it. We'll get there. Uh, 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 In other words, we come to church, and we worship, and we have our little worship experience. We sing some songs. We lift our hands. We worship. And then we go out into our wilderness, never really allowing our worship to affect the wilderness. Not to really affect change. Instead of, we we almost see it as two separate things. But I really want to be able to tackle this scripture and be able to address this in a way. But what happens when the two would collide? Oh, hallelujah. See, we started praying in the back, and the Lord started talking to me this week about uh, how we need to have an encounter with Him and not an encounter with church. Ah, there's a big difference. Uh, we, we get all excited about church. People are like, come to my church. No, 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 no. Don't don't do that. Don't don't do that, because then you're just telling people your church has it better than the next. But but no, you, we need to encourage people to come meet my Jesus there, there, because there's to be an encounter with him, not an encounter with church. You don't need to come to have an encounter with me. You don't need to come to have an encounter with the worship team or any of those things. But we have to have an encounter with him. That's what brings real change. And so the Lord started really speaking to me about what happens when we worship in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. What happens when we worship in the wilderness? And we are in a wilderness. You might not know it. You might not see it, but we are in a wilderness. Hallelujah. We are in a wilderness. The the vision of this church, I, I mentioned it last week briefly, but the vision of this church will only be accomplished when we the people have an encounter with God. That's how visions are accomplished. It, it will be accomplished. It will come to pass as we have an encounter of God. That's why I said not with, not with church, but with God. Not with, not with uh, the trends that we, we, we sort of accept as a church. Uh, one of the things I recognize is today's trends uh, do not allow this. T- to think about this. If you've been to any variety of churches, m- uh, just forgive me just for a moment, but most of the time when you go places, you, they don't create an atmosphere to you have an encounter with God. They create you an atmosphere to have an encounter with church. Come here, become a member, do this, serve here, We'll turn out the lights, make it cute, make it fun, all those things, and let's get you out so the next group can come in, rush that service through, have you in and out in an hour so we can have the third service, hallelujah. There's no time for an encounter with God. I'm, great. I, I'm excited to see churches that are big and need to do all of those things. That's great, that's awesome, but what we have to make sure is that we allow time for God. 'Cause if there's no time to have an encounter with God then, then then what are we doing? Then then we are having an encounter with church. I'm telling you the truth. You might not like it. Some of our friends do that. Some of our friends go to places like that. And I'm not again, I have pastors that are friends that do that. And we just don't agree. We just, we just choose to disagree. I don't get it. I don't get it. One, one pastor friend of mine, they spent millions of dollars buying another building and to where they can have a bigger place. And he still has to preach three times a, a Sunday. I said, you all are just, that's just silly. If I was going to buy a bigger building, I would buy a big enough building so I can put them all under one roof at one time, and then everybody can have an encounter with God. Now now you didn't do anything. You just spent more money to still do the same thing. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Because we have to be able to have an encounter with God. But the trends that we are caught up in the church, it's not even politically correct to allow you to have an encounter with God. It's really not. You can get all, all kinds of trouble. We, we have people walk out of our church once they realize we're really Pentecostal, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, those sort of things. We've had people get up and walk. They didn't, they didn't catch it when they watched online. That's why you can't watch online and think you're going to get it all and know everything that happened. Sometimes you have to just be in the room. Hallelujah. But our church culture now, it's not, it's not popular to pray through. Uh, forgive me for a moment, but I remember when I grew up, it was still old school church. And that if you needed to break through, the, 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 the church mamas of the church would sort of pray you through. Do you remember anybody else remember where they would tarry and pray you through? And they just kept praying until you had a breakthrough, right? Now there's just no time for that. Now there's no time for that. We got to wrap up what Holy Ghost wants to do and just say, well, you didn't come quick enough today. Maybe next time. Hallelujah! Are you hearing me? But I, I, come from a time where we used to pray through Hallelujah, and and then once they prayed you through, it stuck. You know what I'm talking about? When 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 the mothers of the church would gather around you and pray, it stuck. And if they prayed and you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you didn't have to worry about it it falling off or falling out with God that way. I mean, it's stuck. Now we have to worry about if we get you saved today that you're you're, you're gonna you're gonna like you know you're gonna lose it tomorrow. That's what our church culture has become. Oh, because we don't know how to pray them through. Because it's not acceptable anymore, hallelujah. To 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 tarry and allow the Holy Spirit to work. I'm coming today. Hallelujah. Back then I remember our churches didn't even look so good. I remember the first church we, we were ever in. It was a little church of God in, in West Virginia. I mean, it probably fit on this side of the church and half of it. It was tiny. I think maybe there were six pews on each side, and they were short. I don't know how many people it sat, but I know they were old, hard, and uncomfortable, and there was no air. And there was an outhouse. That was in the 80s. I'm, I'm telling you, there was still an outhouse. Uh-huh. See, some of you are looking at me like, I'm crazy. But but one thing that what you can have in those old churches is, is that you had church. We didn't have much. We didn't have the comfortable seats we do. We had instruments but they were all out of tune. Right? And people just tried to play the best they could, but one thing you had was an encounter with God. You 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 were able to experience his his, his presence right? But now we have to have the best of everything. We have the most expensive equipment to have presentations. Amen. We've got big TV screens, the whole fronts of our churches, right? We do it too. Most of our, our most expensive stuff is the electronics of this church, all the computers. I think now we've got 20 some computers that run everything in this ministry, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff, right? But we've got the best of everything. But one thing most of our churches lack is the presence of God, We can have smoke and lights and Hammond B3s and expensive Clavinovas and all the best equipment in the world and TV cameras back there and TV lights up there. And isn't it great and isn't it wonderful? Look at us. We're on TV, right? But unless we're having an encounter with God, none of that matters. But what we've done is we've substitute our our, our things, our programs, our cute lights and our TV cameras. And now every church can live stream, right? Anybody who has a phone can live stream. And, And it's become more about the church and look at us and our name. And it's not become about an encounter with God. And yet, we need to be encouraging people to worship in the wilderness. We have to be able to teach people how to bring the two together. That you don't just come to church to worship. But what would happen if we worshipped in the midst of our wilderness and the two would collide? My God, what would happen? Hallelujah! Today we try to just add a little bit of Jesus. I, I was I was cooking last night. I do that once in a while, and I kept having to add salt and pepper. It just wasn't there wasn't any flavor. And then I started adding some other stuff. I thought this needs some Hallelujah. And then the Lord was saying, you know, that's how just how the people are with me. They want to add just a little bit of Jesus. Just a little here and just a little there, but never a real encounter with God. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? And so that's, the, that's the, become the culture in America is we just want to add Jesus like you do oregano to your pasta. We want to have a little of Jesus there and a little Jesus there and well help me now because I'm in trouble instead of having a real encounter. Because a real encounter will require change. See, a real encounter with Jesus will he will demand change. The kind of encounter I'm talking about, Brother Don, where, where you have an encounter with in the presence of God and he demands that you repent. Where you can't help but fall on your knees and weep because of His presence—that kind of encounter. You hearing me? The kind of encounter where we don't just get a, a cheap goosebump and thrill because we hit an E minor on the keys and, and that gave you a a, a goosebump because that's true. Now all of our now all of our worship music is played in E minor and A minors because it creates—I forget the word I'm looking for—it it, it touches you in a different way than anything else. I'm just telling you the truth. Now the great songwriters today have found out that we can make you cry just by playing certain notes. We don't even need the presence of God, they say. I, I heard a worship leader uh, literally in, in, in an interview on a secular station because they played their music on secular stations too. Isn't that cute? And, and they said, well, we, we, we don't so much need the presence of God. I know how to move people just by the notes we choose. And they're leading worship. And you're buying their well, we don't buy albums anymore, but you download their mess. Because they realize we don't need you no more, Jesus. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need an encounter with you. I can get people to have the same reaction without you. Oh, hallelujah. And so we try to just sprinkle a little Jesus on here and there as we need it. Here and there as we need. And the problem is, is when we just sprinkle a little Jesus, then we can, then we really struggle to get along with people. You know, you hear what I'm saying? We wonder why everyone is not getting along anymore. And, and most of it, the church can't even get along with itself, let alone the church get along with anyone else. It's because we're just trying to add Jesus like we do oregano to our pasta. You can't have just a little bit of Jesus and then think you're going to get along with people. Instead, we have to have an encounter with Jesus. I'm going somewhere. Bear with me. We'll get to the text in a moment. Uh, But I need to point this out to you, let alone, how many of you know we can't even get along with church people, let alone get along with our own family if we're just going to sprinkle Jesus. I need a whole lot of Jesus to be able to deal with family. I need a whole lot of Jesus to sometimes deal with people. Hallelujah. It is only Jesus that keeps me from going to jail by dealing with people. Oh, see, I'll be honest enough to tell you, sometimes you just want to slap somebody. Sometimes you just want to take your car and floor it. I mean, sometimes you just want to step out of yourself, right? And the only thing that stops us oftentimes is because we've had an encounter with Jesus that he says, Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Hallelujah see someone someone asked me the other day I need you to help me with my family I can't help you with your family because c- you all just want a little bit of Jesus that's all you want you're all crazy and until you choose to lay down your craziness but anything I do any prayer I pray all the counseling and there's a world isn't going to help you because what you really need is delivered and delivered of yourself see we replaced uh, 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 uh laying hands and, and rebuking and deliverance with 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 cute things in church. You don't even see demons being cast out no more. You, you don't see people being set free in the front of churches anymore. Oh, God, we don't have time for that. I mean, not everyone will ever think people will think we're strange. And what because we can just sprinkle a little Jesus. And so all over our city this morning, churches are just sprinkling Jesus. Just like a little salt. Just enough to give you just a good, cute feeling, but not enough to help you get through this week. Not enough to help you. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. See, see, I, I, I'm someone that I, I'm a person that I believe in counseling. I believe in therapy, all those things I just mentioned. But there's a lot of things that we are counseling that we need to cast out. There's a lot of things that we are counseling that we need to that we need to cast out. There is no replacement to get in counseling or therapy if you need it. Hallelujah. But there is also no replacement for deliverance if you need it. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. We'll, We'll get into the text. Praise God Almighty.
0: All I'm trying to say is that we are in a time of transition. If you don't know it, then you didn't even watch the news in the last 24 hours. We have just seriously shifted into a real season of transition in this world. In this church, as a people. Hallelujah. And so we are in a time of transition. And now more than ever, we need to have an encounter with God. Our world has been in transition. Now we are really in a place of transition. Hallelujah. The church has been in this state of transition. But I just sense that God has really... speeded things up a little bit just 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 enhance the time even even more hallelujah we're 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 in a transition where we we're the 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 church has been subtly and casually and 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 in a casual way just trying to transition and and focus uh, on things that aren't as important we we often put our focus on better buildings and better technology and we think about spirituality last uh huh we're in a time where now everything is offensive and the church has now adapted to that culture. And now we won't say or preach on certain things because it will, it will make half the people mad. And what if they leave? Now we can't afford our big, fancy churches and our big, fancy equipment. Are you hearing me? Nothing we ever do. I never make a decision based on money, ever. I know it freaks Lois out all the time. I never make a decision based on money, based on what you think, or based on facts on paper. But I only make a decision based on what the, he has said. And if he says go, or he says do it, then we'll do it because I I just trust that as We're obedient. He always works it out. Hallelujah. But see, we are in a time where we'll we'll steer away from specific issues and topics, and we dare won't say anything. Hallelujah. Just for the sake of of trying to to stay politically correct, or 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 not be offensive, or God forbid, we preach on sin anymore. Hallelujah. And so that kind of that kind of mentality, that kind of stuff that's going on in the world has now leaked into the church. I'm telling you the truth where we don't preach certain things. We don't talk about certain things. We create an atmosphere that makes everybody comfortable and feel cool. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's now it's not just leaked into our church. It's leaked into our marriages. It used to be that marriages you were a team in a marriage. Now it's women against men and men against women. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come for you today. Get mad. Tweet me whatever y'all want to do. I'm coming for you. I'm telling you the truth. Now more than ever, you, you, if we post a picture and it has more men than it does women, people get mad. They, they turned wife and husband against one another. They're trying to turn our races against one another. Are you hearing me? Trying to say that, no, 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 no. We are, we are a people following after the heart of God. Are you hearing me? God, God joined man and woman together so that you could be a help to one another, not so you can compete. See, we are together to complete one another, not to compete with one another. All that right there is good all in itself. Hallelujah. I don't need to compete with you. I'm here to complete you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So stop the argument. You don't respect me because I'm a man or you don't respect me because I'm a one. You are you are there to complete one another. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's how I know it's leaked into the church because it's in our marriages. It's in our families. It's in our schools. It's everywhere. Oh, That's enough of that. Let's get to the text. I told you I wouldn't get through today, so it's all right. Exodus 14, we're going to begin in verse 9. We're only going to read about six verses. I think 9 through 14. Oh, hallelujah. Are you still with me? I'm definitely not finishing today. All right, here we go. Verse 9, so the the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea. Overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hirath, before Baal-Sephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, "'Because there were no graves in Egypt, "'you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? "'Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? "'Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, "'Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians?' For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Oh, my, my, my. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord while he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall again know more forever. In verse 14, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Oh, my God. That last one right there. Look at verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Oh, my God. That's a word for somebody. That's all you needed today is the Lord is reminding you he will fight for you, and you need to hold your peace. What's he mean? That, that, that's your job. He said he'll fight for you. your job is just to be quiet. Your jobs just to shut up. Amen. Sometimes our job is just to say nothing. Sometimes our job is just to do nothing. Thank you, Lord. See, what's great about this text, I've preached out of this chapter many times. And the normal approach to this text would be uh, to, use, to use the verse just before that that says, the enemies you see today, you shall see no more. See, that's that's an easy text right there for me to preach to get a good reaction from you. It, it would have you shouting and jumping on your feet and saying, come on, preacher of the enemies. I see today. I'll see no more. Huh. Hallelujah. But see, the Lord doesn't want me to deal and focus there. That would be too easy. So we're going to go to a part of this text that is a little bit more complex. So, Lord, help us today. Glory to God. I want you to understand about this text that that God has invited the children of Israel to the wilderness to escape oppression and to worship Him.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Now, keep in mind, I've taught and told you before that, that they have not had a conversation with God in over 400 years, they have not talked to Him for 400 years. Think about that. They're the people of God. But they had not had a real relationship in 400 years. In part because of their assimilation and their relationship with Egypt. They've been in Egypt for all these years. Now, not only did God know everything that was going to happen. Not only did God know about their time in Egypt, but God arranged it. The Bible says that God arranged it. The the Bible says that God even prophesied to Abram that this would happen. He he said said to Abram that your seed will sojourn in Egypt for 400 years. But after, they will come out with great substance. Are you seeing what I'm saying? God knew it. God God said to Abram, your seed will sojourn in Egypt for 400 years. God told Abram before it ever happened that this was going to happen. But he also told him that they would come out with great substance. See, God knew it. God knew it. What what I can appreciate about that and what I love about that so much and what is good news for you and I is that God knew it. God was able to prophesy to Abram, this is going to happen. Some difficult times are going to come. But he says there will come a day when your people, your seed will come out uh, 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 of, of, being, uh, of being oppressed, and they're going to come out not just by themselves, but they're going to come out with great substance. And so th- the reason I'm emphasizing that today is, one, because God knew it, but, two, it reminds me, and God wants you to be reminded today, that there is an expiration date on trouble. Yes, hallelujah. I said there's an expiration date on trouble. So, whomever is in trouble right now, it means that there's an expiration date on trouble. See, there's an expiration date on everything else that you buy. Amen. You go to the store, there's an expiration date on your food. You you buy a Pepsi at the at the uh, at the gas station, there's an expiration date on that. There's an expiration date on most any perishable item like that. Hallelujah. And so much so, there is an expiration date on whatever you are enduring right now. That's why the Bible says this too shall pass. It, this too will come to an end. Thank you, Lord. So if there's a date that I go in, that means there's also a date that I come out. Amen. Hallelujah. If there's a date I go in, there's also a date I come out. Hallelujah. And so they, they were there. They were in uh, this oppressive place by divine prophecy. Think about this. God incubated Abram's seed from a family into a nation. Oh, my God. I said God incubated Abram's seed from a family into a nation. Hallelujah. You've heard me say thousands of times probably, trouble is an incubator for greatness. Uh-huh. So anytime you find yourself in trouble, you need to find peace and rest in the fact that what trouble is, is an incubator for greatness. God is trying to raise up some greatness that he has placed on the inside of you. And he does that by often immersing you and I in, into trouble. So thank you, Lord, for trouble. I'll say it for you. Thank you, Lord, for trouble. Uh-huh. See, when everything starts going wrong or we start having difficult times, you and I often start breaking down into pieces. But what you need to do is break out into a praise and thank God for trouble because trouble is an incubator for greatness. Come on, somebody. When finances look bleak, trouble is an incubator for greatness. Maybe the problem is, is you haven't been praising God where you are enough and allowing God to be God. You're not allowing him to incubate, incubate you in the midst of trouble. All you're focused on is getting out of it. Oh, come on. When you find yourself struggling financially, I'm just going to come there for a moment. What's the first thing you do is try to find a way out. Oh, ye of little faith. I, I, am I not right? We, do we not try to find a way? We'll apply for another credit card. We'll see if we can't borrow it over here. We'll see if we can't do it over there. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I, 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 I see today God's speaking to somebody. I mean, convictions falling in this house. We might need to do auto calls right now. Uh-huh. We're looking for an answer instead of instead of saying trouble is an incubator for greatness. Instead of realizing there's something great on the inside of you that God is trying to cultivate, and instead of you breaking out into praise, saying, "God, I thank you that you're a great God, and therefore within me is greatness." I thank you, the Lord. Whatever's in me is coming out of me. God, I thank you that I'll be able to see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. Instead, you are trying to be God play God, come up with the solution. God never intended you to come up with the solution. God just said, would you follow me? My sheep know my voice. This, this is how I know you need an encounter with God. It's because if you're his sheep, then you, don't, you clearly don't know his voice if you're not listening for it, all you know is what results you can make happen to, to resolve a situation, right? But his, his word says, My sheep know my voice. That's why you got to know him. That's why you, every time trouble strikes, instead of losing your mind and having a nervous breakdown, you and I should be able to break out into a praise because I should be able to learn through all the the, the scriptures that we have to read through. We should know by now that trouble is an incubator for greatness. When trouble comes, it's working for my good. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll move on. I'll move on. You don't like that very much. Hallelujah. That's all right. So, in order for God to incubate the greatness that was in them, he put pressure on them. Now, I want you to understand they were no less than the Egyptians, but they were forced to serve the Egyptians for 400 years. I said they were no less than the Egyptians. But they were forced to serve them for 400 years. And so Moses comes up on the scene to emancipate them from 400 years of being contorted into whatever Egypt wanted. He comes along to, to be the deliverer. And anytime, watch this, any time you, you, you contort who you are into what other people want you to become, then you become unfamiliar with who you really are. I want you to hear what I'm really telling you. Anytime you can thwart or change who you are for other people, then you become more unfamiliar with who you really are. Let me put it another way. If you've ever changed who you are for somebody and then they left or they abandoned or they moved on in life, you're trying to figure out who you are outside of what they needed you to be. Oftentimes, some people will only accept you if you are a certain way, if you speak a certain way, if you act a certain way. Come on, somebody. If you are in a way without certain flaws, without having certain issues and certain problems, right? And so once some people leave, haven't you ever noticed that? Sometimes we'll change ourselves for the sake of getting to date somebody. Mm -hmm. You'll change what you like to eat. You'll deny yourself your favorite food just because they don't like it because now you're, we're suddenly in love, right? And then when that relationship blows up like it was inevitable too in the first place, when you compromise just on the basic level like that, I don't have time to go there, but when you and I compromise on the most basic things like that, it's inevitable that it's going to blow up, hallelujah. So now they're gone, and now you're trying to figure out who you really are. What do you like? What do you like to do? Right? What's your hobby? What's, your, what's the things that bring you joy in this life? We, we we don't really know, right? And so what we end up doing when we change who we are for the sake of other people, we lose we lose our sense of having a real identity. I want you to understand that the the, 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 the children of Israel they've been in oppression so long they've lost their identity of who they really are. They didn't even have a good sense of their own language anymore. Their food is gone. Their uniqueness is gone. Their religion has been aborted. They've assimilated and, 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 and the, the environment they were in being, being, being hailed by the Egyptians for so long. And they did it for the sake of survival. Because sometimes in order for you and I to survive, survival necessitates that you and I adapt and adopt to certain situations that we don't necessarily prefer because, but it's necessary to survive. Anybody who's ever lived through hell and back might understand a thing or two about that. That sometimes you and I will adapt to certain things and situations in this life just for the sake of survival. They are people who have lost everything. They have left Egypt though by now. This is where we're picking up the text. They have left Egypt. And they've left Egypt to rediscover themselves and, to, and, and by reconnecting with God. Oh, that's good. They've left Egypt to dis- rediscover themselves and to reconnect with God. In other words, you will never find you without him. Uh, We live in a time where everyone's trying to find out who they are. And people say, they'll make the claim, I'm on a self-discovery, and they're trying to do it without God. You will never figure out who you are without him. You and I are created in his likeness and his image. In order to understand who you are, then you need to understand who he is. Oh, glory to God. So you'll never find yourself. You'll never find your identity. You'll never get your self-esteem back without him. This is why this is why they they got out into the desert and were asking in the Bible. The Bible says that as they got out into the desert, they started asking for the leeks and onions of Egypt because even their taste buds had become like the Egyptians. They were totally confused on who they were and, and what it meant that they were the people of God. This is also why they built images of God that looked like the Egyptian God because their concept of who God was, was influenced by Egypt. Oh, Lord. It's also why sometimes even today we'll we'll come to church and some people will will talk about God as a higher power because we adopt a language uh, of the people that we're around, the people we're working with, uh, we'll say things like, oh, he's the man upstairs, because it's more acceptable to some people to say something like that than to just say, God almighty than to say the name Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we'll adapt the the way in which we even say things and do things today. I'm telling you the truth. Look at what some people post online. They adapt and they change what they're saying and how they say it so it's not so so harsh. So, So we don't elevate the name of Jesus. We'll just say, you know, generalize God or we'll generalize the man upstairs. Amen. You got a boogeyman in the closet or what? That's how confused they were, in the same manner that I believe the church today is confused. Not totally sure who God is. Trying to figure out who we are, but we're trying to figure out who we are without figuring out who He is. You ever notice that sometimes we'll adapt our very own language just to fit in with people? Or you know somebody who who they change the way they talk based on who they're around? That we have such a need to be connected and accepted by people that, that the way we talk and how we talk changes based on who we're with. Uh huh. We, we, we have such a need to be accepted that it's forced you and I to shift our personalities into something that, that the world would applaud you for, but the church cannot recognize. Did you, did you ever notice that there are some people they can't applaud you for being you? They applaud you for for who you've contorted yourself into being. The image that you reflect, but that's not really who you are. People even say things like now, oh, oh, that's out of style. That kind of church is out of style. That's what I alluded to earlier. It's not in style to be a cute little country church with no AC and hard pews. No, 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 no. You got to have some cushy chairs and some fancy instruments, right? we we got to have all of those things to be, to be acceptable now. Now, now, that, that now it's, and it's true. Now it's out of style for those sort of things. Now it's out of style to have a good Holy Ghost-filled tent revival, or it's out of style to have a good Holy Ghost-filled revival of any kind. Hallelujah. Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll call it something else. We'll call it a weekend of refreshing. Nothing wrong with the other refreshing, but, but we're not interested in being revived anymore. We just want to add a little Jesus like we do our oregano, right? That, that, that's what we're interested in. That's what we're looking for. Hallelujah. Because those sort of things are out of style. Or, sorry, I hope you're hearing what I'm trying to say to you today. It's old school. It's not politically correct anymore. So we've contorted our churches to reflect what society will accept. When we look at most of our churches, we've contorted church into what society will accept, where, where people can come and won't feel uneasy and won't be offended. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. You don't have to stop and get coffee. We'll give it to you in church. Nothing wrong with that. We do it here, you know. We, we'll have coffee and donuts here too, you know. Uh, I'm just saying we'll contort it and to do everything we can to have atmospheres where, where, where we, we can make you feel more accepted. We can make you... F- blend in real, real nice to where we can be in style. Let's let's build Starbucks inside the church. Hallelujah. 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 Anybody ever wear anything recently and someone said it's out of style? That's out of style. Uh Uh-huh. Lois. Of course, it was Lois. Imagine. I heard somebody say the other day, that's out of style. I heard him say, they said, what do you mean? It's out of, that's out of style. That had not been in style since, you know, the 90s or whatever. And
1: I just thought, like, oh, Lord, this is, this is just awful,
0: right? I thought, go ahead and tell me that. I'm going to tell you something. It is in style if it's in my closet. Hello? <laughs> I still have double-breasted suits, and I still have things that they say are, are out of style. They're still hanging them. I paid too much money. I'm not giving up that, that double-breasted suit. I'll wear it someday. Hallelujah. I still have real loud plaid suits. I, I still got them, you know, I, I because there are some churches you go to. You can wear that now around here, you know, some of y'all around here. You can't handle that. Yeah, I, I, I got I got some like orange looking plaid suit. You know what I mean? But you go to some churches, that's just the way it goes. You know.
1: I, I, it
0: Yeah, you're going to wear what you wear because it's in style if it's in my closet. What, 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 where, where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is that some of you go broke trying to stay in style. And, and you're trying to figure out why, why there's never enough to go around. The, the world that we're living in, they'll cause you to keep chasing stuff. I mean, think about it. We have goofballs in Paris and New York that determine what it is we're going to buy. They choose what is in style. No, they don't choose what's in style for me. I choose when I go to my closet. Hallelujah. If you keep trying to chase the newest and the hottest thing like that, no wonder you're broke. Let me. I'm, what I'm trying to say is God can't bless that. All right, God can't bless you chasing the newest and coolest things. Hallelujah. Like that. that. That kind of stuff will leave you broke. Chasing what's new and what's fresh. Hallelujah. In other words, we're always trying to buy something to fit in. This does tie into the word. Just give me a moment. These are people who have been in bondage for years and years and years. Hallelujah. And, and, and what they needed, they were trying to discover themselves. But you and I can never discover ourselves without discovering who God is. And we cannot do it without him. You, you are still trying to keep up with the Joneses. And you are still trying to keep up with what your neighbor does and what your neighbor wears. And you keep up trying to buy all kind of stuff. We, some people buy stuff just to buy stuff. You buy it just to fit in. You're trying to keep up with what someone in, in, in Paris and New York are, are saying is cute and stuff. Some of you just buy, buy, buy. You don't even know all you have. That's how much stuff you buy. You got more stuff than you know what to do with. Stuff you forgot you even had. And, and let me tell you something. I'm going to give you some revelation today. And the reason you buy that stuff is for your need to be accepted. Do you hear me? When, when you have rooms that you don't even really know what all in there, come on, I moved so I know what that's like. So I'm preaching to myself today. When I moved, I found things and duplicates and triplets of things. I found triplets of different tools. I thought, well, Lord, I, I wouldn't have even just bought this. huh? I found more paint rollers than I, I don't know. Hallelujah. Our church even has more paint rollers. I, I, I just don't know. Instead of finding them, we bought them. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? We, 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 God help me. I'm saying we buy, we buy, we buy, we buy. We got rooms where we don't even know everything that's in there. And we end up buying oftentimes out of a need to be accepted by others. So we adapt to what other people think is nice in style and what we think. We might get a reaction out of someone. But but who are you without buying any of that stuff? You got to just bag it up. Don't look at it and just give it away. If you don't even know what's in there, get rid of it. If you haven't used it by now, what are you hoarding it for? I'm about to call hoarders. This all has to do with your spirituality. Just hang on. I'm saying we hang on to stuff, you hang on to stuff, and you're asking God to bless you with new. God can't bless you with new because you don't even know what you have. We'll say, God, send me money. God, I need a financial break. And meanwhile, the the lesson I've already learned about God is the answer is already in your hand. You probably have the answer in your house. You just don't know it.
1: Hmm, hallelujah. I'll move on now. I can tell you didn't like that.
0: Hallelujah. In other words, you don't know you unless you know God. Stop buying what you don't need. God can't bless that. God wants you and I to have an encounter with Him. Too much of our energy is spent trying to reconcile with men, trying to fit in with men trying to fit in in the world. Are you here? I, I like to dress cool, too. I got, you know, all those things. I'm just saying it can't be our focus, right? Having the newest, cutest set of wheels. They keep calling me, wanting me to buy another car. You all crazy out your mind. Hallelujah. I mean, they're, they've lost it. My car, I will run it till I can't run it no more. I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I, I'm not spending more on that car than I even make. Hallelujah. I mean, it, I, I don't even make that much in, in six years. Glory to God. Y'all up the praises too much. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to buy the kind of car you think I should drive. If you're buying it, sure. But if you ain't buying it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep what I got. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Because I don't need to drive a certain kind of thing to keep up with who someone else thinks I should be. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Too much of our energy is trying to reconcile with men, trying to be in with people, trying to be in vogue or whatever it is, trying to t- t- trying to do all those things, hallelujah. Go over to God. So we end up getting things twisted in, in this life. We get all kind of things twisted in this life. We end up turning ourselves into into. Uh, uh, into what people want, and by the time we do, the style has changed. You ever notice that by the time you turn yourself into what somebody else wants, they'll just up the ante. They'll change it on you again. That's why you can never just change for people. You, you, You will never be good enough for someone, no matter how many different versions of yourself you give them. Hallelujah. That's why if I have an encounter with God, I know if I have an encounter with God, I'll be more than enough for them, whoever, hallelujah, unless they're crazy and they're just going to keep asking for a newer and more improved version of myself. Hallelujah. But listen, every time you try to change who you are for people, they'll just up the ante. They'll just keep asking more and more of you. See, we end up just trying so desperately to fit in with people that trying to fit in with people ends up, ends up trumping our need to be who we are. And I believe the church has, has lost the identity of who they are. I believe the church, I believe you and I have lost the identity of who we really are. Who are you? I, I want to ask you something. If, if, if,
1: uh,
0: if you go online, I think even Facebook, Maybe it did or does. I don't know. It used to ask a bio of yourself. Does it still do that? Most people's is blank. Because they don't even know how to describe
1: who they are. Who are you? What are you like? What gives you joy? What irritates you?
0: Who are you? God wants you and I to have such an encounter with you, with, with him. He, he needs you and I to go back to the manufacturer. Hallelujah. Have you ever noticed that when there's something wrong with something you purchase, who do you call the manufacturer? hmm I bought a product and it's defective. Something right with it. Amen. You and I, in order to figure out who you are, you've got to be able to go back to the manufacturer. I, I'm getting somewhere finally. Hallelujah. But we're about out of time. Glory to God. I, in other words, you got to go back to God and say, and say, who, God, who did you create me to be? God, what did you have in mind when you, when you designed my life to function? Amen. Because we've been so many different things to so many different people. I just don't even know who I am anymore. Amen. if you go to one church, they, they want you to be a certain way over there. You go to another one, they want you to be a certain way over there, whatever is accepted. But, but, but we, it gets to the point we don't even know what we like anymore. Do you ever notice that? Our, our spouses will complain about something that's a pet peeve, and we end up changing the, 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 the makeup of who we really are just so they'll be quiet. Who are you? Who are you? We've changed ourselves so much. Listen, we don't even often know what we think about things anymore. Facebook and the news and political agendas tell you and I what to think. But what do you really think about things that are going on in the world? What do you really think and believe about things that this world and this nation is facing right now? I mean, what do you think? Not what you heard on CNN or, or ABC or any of those things, but what do you think? Not what someone told you to think. Oh, my God. See, this all has to do with the word because the children of Israel had a they had a little bit of Hebrew in them, but they still but they had a lot of Egypt in them. And here comes a man, Moses, trying to move them out of what they have adapted to. In other words, even though they had prayed to God for him to send a deliverer, when the answer came, they rejected what they prayed for. I know nobody in here has ever rejected an answer when it showed up because it showed up in a way we weren't expecting. Anybody have ever prayed for something and then the answer comes, but you didn't like how it came or you didn't like how God was trying to bless you and the person God was trying to bless you through? Oh, I ain't taking that. My God, my God. These are people who had one foot in Egypt and the other one on the promises of God. And the moment that you run into trouble, we, just like, just like the, the them, you and I often revert back to what is familiar, even though it is not effective. Oh, that's good right there. They had one foot in Egypt, one foot on the promises of God. And the moment that it started to get challenging, the moment that they heard the the hoof prints of of the of the chariots behind them, they were ready to revert back to what was comfortable and not what was effective. Every time things get tough in life, you always want to go back to something that you're familiar with, but it's definitely not effective. And then you wonder why we're, we're, we're kind of living the same day over and over again, Groundhog Day. Because you're choosing what's familiar over what's effective. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Are you hearing what's familiar over what's
1: effective?
0: What's familiar over what's effective? Some of you need to hear that this morning. Stop choosing what's familiar over what's effective. What's effective isn't always easy. What's, What's effective will force you to confront who you are. What's effective will challenge what you really believe. What's effective will have you sometimes leave some people behind. What, what's effective won't necessarily look, uh, look, look fun. It won't look encouraging. It won't look any of those things in the beginning, but it will be good for you in the long run. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so they asked Moses, they said, are there no graves in Egypt? In other words, in other words, we're going to die. But what's fine, what I find interesting is, is this is so close to how you and I often are with God. They were saying to Moses, We're going to die. Now we're going to die out here, almost to the Red Sea. We're going to die right here. And they say, Are there no graves in Egypt? Can't we just go back to Egypt and die? See, they, they, they had an assumption they were going to die. So they said, can't I just go back to what I'm familiar with to die? Why do I have to go into the promise of God to die? See, they weren't even believing that God was the deliverer that he, that he said that he was when he said, I need you to go. And then he invited them into the wilderness to worship him. They, they hadn't yet learned who God was. They said, are there no graves in Egypt? We'd rather go back to what's familiar. what's effective. These same people who prayed to get out of Egypt are now asking Moses, are there no graves in Egypt? In other words, let me die a slave in Egypt serving Pharaoh. I I just want to go back. It was, it was easier being a slave I mean, listen to what they're saying. They're saying it was easier. At least I knew how to live being a slave under Pharaoh. I don't like this. Now he's breathing down our neck. He's chasing us down. Are there no graves in Egypt? Are there no graves in Egypt? In other words, how we say today, I didn't
1: know it was going to be this hard.
0: See, see, we often come to God and think everything's going to be just... Fine and dandy and beds of roses and people say to me countless times pastor i didn't know it was going to be this hard if i'd have known it was going to be this hard i'd have made different decisions are there no graves in egypt so 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 what you want to go back so they said to moses are there no graves in egypt in other words can't we just go back to what we're familiar with I know it's not what God promised. I know it's not what's effective for us, but can I just go back? Whew.
1: Can't I just go back? You wanna go back to being a slave?
0: See, I know the Bible says that we're supposed to love our neighbor and I know Jesus even prayed that we might be one and human, one, one, one with one another. And I, I know that having unity with one another is good. In a time where we see a lack of unity in family, in a time where we see a lack of unity in our nation, people keep saying, What's wrong? What's wrong? And Sometimes I get so mad at watching the news when they're asking pundits about the division our nation. I'm just thinking, can you please bring someone with an understanding of the word of God on
1: to speak to the problem? Because I'm about to give it to you.
0: This is what they should be broadcasting on Fox News instead of the other talking heads. Right here, what I'm about to tell you. The reason we have no unity is because we have no humility. Think about this. The reason there is no unity in our nation is because there is no one leading us that has humility. The reason our churches do not have unity is because we do not have humility. Let me take it, bring it home for you. The reason we do not have unity in our homes, in our marriages is because we do not have humility. The kind of humility that says, I was wrong. The kind of humility that says, I made a mistake.
1: Boy, got quiet in
0: here. The kind of humility where we can still love someone despite how wrong they are. No, no, now it is, if you make a mistake, I'm done with you. I'll dismiss you and I'll move on. That, that's the world we're in. It's not about unity. So we we cannot have unity without humility. That right there is so powerful. And how are we going to be people that are more humble, that walk in humility by having an encounter with God? A real encounter with God is what helps you and I walk in humility. See, we can pray for unity all day, but until we walk in humility, you will never have unity. There is not one person running for president that's going to bring unity unless they're humble. And so far, I haven't seen none. I'm just going to tell you the way that it is. I don't care what you like. I don't care, I don't, I don't care about none of that. I'm telling you, I'm looking for Humility. Humility. That is what we need. That that, that is what you and I need to be able to heal a nation. That is what you and I need to be able to bring unity in a nation. That is what you and I need. What you need to look at for among your friends is is humility. What you need to to, to provide for your spouse is humility. You want unity? You want your spouse to fight with you and not against you? Have humility. Oh, my God. I I know y'all don't like this. Because that, that means we have to be humble enough to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I know. You all just try to do that way where you forgive and forget. You don't say, I'm sorry, but you think they understand it. That's ego. That's ego. You think you don't need to say you're sorry. They just understand it. Are you hearing me? You need to have enough humility to be able to say I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. That never should have happened. I was wrong. That never should have come out of my mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because that's the kind of, the kind of, uh, we, the kind of life that you and I have to cultivate. That's the kind of atmosphere you and I have to cultivate. Even for this church, we have to be a people and a place of humility. Why do I say that? Because one, the, the, the most important assignment that you and I have is to be reconciled to God. I'm going to lay it on you right now. I, I, I didn't even get halfway where I needed to today. Watch this. The, our most important assignment is that we are reconciled to God. You will never be reconciled to people you are not reconciled to God. And we're trying to be reconciled to people without being reconciled to God. It's not, it's not necessary that you reconcile yourself to Fresh Fire Church or you reconcile yourself to any church down the street. You don't even need to be reconciled to to the preacher. None of those things. You, our greatest focus needs to be to be reconciled to God. I'm going to prove it to you. Write this down. You can turn to it later because I'm going to have to close with this. There's going to be more than a part two I can see. Luke chapter 9, verse 49 and 50. For those of you that are note takers, look at this. I'll read it to you. Luke 9, 49 and 50. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him. For he who is not against us is on our side.
1: I'm choosing that
0: because, in other words, let me let me break it down for you. In other words, he's saying, don't expend your energy. Don't expend your energy trying to reconcile the church down the street, to reconcile the person down the street. Because anytime someone builds their ministry or tries to build their church, or going around correcting everybody else. In other words, anytime you were known by what you were against rather than what you were for. What am I saying? You cannot worship God and then try to be the spiritual police over the world. That's what God was saying to the disciples. Do not forbid someone trying to cast out demons just because they're not walking with us. The mistake that we're making in the church is we've, some, we've become so prideful and so full of ourselves that we believe we know it all. And we've tried to become the spiritual police pointing out and telling everybody what they're where they're wrong and how they're wrong. Are you hearing me? Instead, if we'd walk in humility and just say, you know what, I, I'm busy, full-time job, keeping myself in line right now. I don't have time to worry about nobody else. And walk in humility. God says, I can begin with that. Because our number one one thing that we're supposed to focus our energy on is to be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Because he said in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, now all things are of God who are reconciled, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation.
1: This turned out to be more of a teaching than a preaching, but it's all right. Watch this. Watch this.
0: Listen to what he just said there. I'm going to drop this on you and we're going to close with this. I'm going to read it to you again. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you realize all God wants is to be reconciled to you? All God wants is to be reconciled to you. It says, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, I do not have the ministry of separation. Let me break it down for you. In other words, I will not aid and abed you in leaving. My job is reconciliation.
1: What, is, what, what am I trying
0: to say? It means you and I cannot be those people where we run over here and hear their side and we run over here and hear their side. And then we come from here and go back to this side and tell them what that side had to say. Oh, I know none of y'all have ever done that. And none of you know anybody that does that. He, 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 He said in the word, he has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation. I have the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, you and I can't help who falls out. How many of you know there are some people, they're just going to have a falling out, they're going to fight. I'm going to help you right now. This will help you get through somebody's week. You sometimes can't help who's falling out, who's fighting in your family, who's fighting at work, and even sometimes in church, amen. You can't help who doesn't get along and who's not speaking. But if you are aiding and abetting that separation, And that deterioration of anything that God put together, then you are guilty of separation. Oh, Jesus. I said, if you are aiding and abetting, I know none of y'all ever aided and abetted a criminal because you'd be in jail. But how many of you have aided and abetted? separating people that God has put together. You know, most church problems erupt because they lack humility. And they're trying to separate what God has put together. And we end up aiding and abetting
1: in separation.
0: We do it in our families. We do it in all all kinds of ways but the Bible says in that scripture I just read you in second Corinthians 5 he says that you have the ministry of reconciliation you have the ministry of reconciliation that doesn't mean that people won't get divorced it doesn't mean that there won't that, that, that there aren't people that we've got to have boundaries with but but what he is saying is it's not my job to hate to help you hate somebody when he says that you have the ministry of reconciliation, This is where I'm telling you that our country has lost its mind. This is why I I just can't be a part of people who are hateful and nasty. I can't be a part of rhetoric like that. I can't hang around people who are hateful. Someone had tried to have a conversation with me and they meant well. But every time they open their mouth, it's just like fire shoots up in me because they mean well, but they're hateful. They're hateful. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? They're hateful and what they're, they're trying to make me see things their way, but they're hateful in it. And how I know that's not of God is they're not, they're not operating from a spirit of reconciliation. I'm telling you the truth. This is where we have gone wrong right here. I'm going to have to end it here. We have gone wrong as a church because we have stopped operating out of the ministry of reconciliation. Meaning if your brother offends you, go to them. Instead, it's just like, well, I'll go somewhere else. Or or, or we'll tell them, you, you can just go somewhere else and have church. Hallelujah. Or you can go start your own. Preacher, don't let me preach enough over here. I'm going to go get my own. Preacher, don't let me sing enough. I'm going to go start my own praise team. That's what people do. Out of a spirit of vision, you'll know. You watch this. You'll know whether it's God or not. Was it birthed out of division, out of separation, or was it birthed out of, separ- uh, of reconciliation? Oh my God! My job isn't to help you hate somebody. My job is to help you love somebody. Why? Because I have the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know what would happen if this church and everybody in it had the Ministry of Reconciliation? Not separation, but the Ministry of Reconciliation. Watch this. What would happen in your families? What would happen in your marriage if you would stop taking sides
1: and function in the Ministry of Reconciliation? I was in a meeting the other day and they, two sides, they were trying to get me to choose sides. And instantly the Lord said, Adam, if you choose a side, you instantly lose
0: 50%. Our nation right now is doing everything they can to get you and I to choose sides. And then it's one side against the other. All, immediately you lose 50%. You need to understand that when it comes to your family, when it comes to what's going on in your home, the moment you choose sides,
1: you lost 50%.
0: But God has put you and I on the earth to have a ministry of reconciliation so that we can rule and reign. And the church has lost its influence in this world, in this nation. I believe because we've stopped being and operating with the ministry
1: of reconciliation. We've clenched
0: our fist and hammered it on our pulpits, insisting that we are right,
1: instead of just saying, I love you. Instead of operating with love and reconciliation. and So we've lost 50% of the nation. We are going to get to worship in the wilderness. We're going to pick it up right there. I want you
0: this week to look for opportunities to operate in the, in the, with the ministry of reconciliation.
1: They may have done you wrong, love them. They may have hurt you. They may have attacked you. Love them. You say that's hard to do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The ministry He said he's given it to you. It's in you.
0: It's in you. You might not feel it. It's in you. The ministry of reconciliation with the in laws. It's in you. Mm. Hallelujah.
1: It's in you. Next week.
0: to pick it up right here where you and I need to be reconciled with God. The purpose and the reason God brought them from Egypt to the wilderness is that they might be reconciled to Him so that you and I can have an encounter with Him. I don't want you to come and have an encounter with church. I don't want you to come and have an encounter with me. I want you to come and have an encounter with God. A life-changing, absolute encounter with God. That will change the very makeup of who you are what you and i are here to do what we experience the breakthrough that we receive hallelujah a life changing encounter with god hallelujah if you're able to will you stand to your feet
1: hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. April, will you come? April. Uh, Cynthia, will you come? April, April asked for prayer earlier. Anybody else, if you need prayer, come. I specifically asked her because she asked for prayer earlier and I want the... Cynthia, our women's minister, to pray over her. She wants prayer for her mama hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah 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 thank you jesus hallelujah church let's pray let's pray Will you, if you're still in your in your chair would you start praying for somebody you see standing up here Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. God, we glorify you. Lord, we honor you. I thank you that, God, you go before us. I thank you that, Lord, you help us. I thank you
0: that, Lord, you're everything that we stand in need of. God, I thank you that your word speaks to us and it helps us. I thank you, Lord, your word may be made life to us. God, I pray for every person that has assembled themselves around the front of this church. Lord, touch, heal, minister, move in the name of Jesus. God, every area of affliction over their life and their body. God, I pray even now that, Lord, you would touch and you would go before them. Lord, that you would make them whole. Make them whole. God, every area of lack. God, every area of sickness, God, every area of their life and body that is not functioning and operating, God, I thank you that they be made well in the name of Jesus. Be made well in the name of Jesus. Keep hearing the Lord saying, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? So, Father, we just thank you and we bless you, Lord, for your wholeness. I thank you, Lord, today where there would be nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken in the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, touch our our bodies right now. God, touch these men and women from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet right now. God, bring healing. Be a miracle-working God like only you are. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke sickness. We rebuke disease. We rebuke everything that is not operating in accordance to God, how you created us to operate and function. I rebuke that now. God, we speak healing. I speak wholeness over each person in the name of Jesus. God, over their bodies, over their bodies. Lord, release your anointing even now touch them and heal them even now i speak to pain we speak to discomfort and we rebuke it right now in the name of jesus and we declare over you by his stripes you be healed by his stripes you be
1: healed by his stripes you be healed by his stripes you be healed by his stripes you be
0: healed healed. father be an encouragement to the discouraged Situations and things that aren't looking good and aren't working out, God, encourage them. Breathe. Oh, breath of God. Breathe life to every dead area of their, uh, that they're experiencing. Breathe life to it. That everything that may look like it's dead and over and not getting any better, breathe life. Just like you did in the valley of dry bones. Breathe. <sighs> breathe. <sighs> in the name of Jesus Christ.
1: In the name of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. God, we honor you. God, we honor you. Touch him right now. Touch him right now. Touch him right now in the name of Jesus. Touch him. Touch him right now, God. Just touch him. Lord. Touch him deeply, God. Touch and heal, minister and move. In the name of Jesus. 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 No other name but the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. we bless you God we thank you we bless you and we thank you father I pray that you would bless your people as they endure and go through their week
0: God bless them in their comings and their goings God bless everything that they're a part of God bless those as they go to
1: doctor's appointments and business
0: appointments God I pray Give them favor in areas where they did not even know they needed favor. God, give them, bless them abundantly, I pray, in the name of Jesus. God, bless them, bring increase to tithes and offerings as it's given today. I pray that you would multiply it back to your people in the name of Jesus Christ. Multiply, let them see increase in their life. In Jesus, your powerful name, amen, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.